Welcome to episode 14 of the Passionate Purpose Podcast, where we interview people over 50 who are pursuing new direction for their lives. It's an opportunity for men and women to tell their stories, their way, in their own words. I'm Greg Gerber, the founder of Forward From 50, and your host for today's show. A former postal worker, Faye Bryant also worked as a bookkeeper and for a publishing agency, but it was her love for writing that really allowed her to spread her wings after turning 50. Faye loves to tell stories and she wanted to convey her life story and those of her mother and grandmother. However, she thought they were needlessly dry and uninspiring, simply a recitation of facts in chronological order. It was boring, so Faye opted to transform the stories into novels. Well, based on reality, the stories are more compelling because of their use of descriptive words and dialogue to give each person's story a flavor of adventure and intrigue. Writing it that way also allowed Faye to highlight a common thread to show the lives of three different women and how their individual experiences intertwined to shape the lives of the others. For some reason, people often find her stories to be inspirational for their own lives because they can identify themselves and characters in one of her books. Not only do readers understand they're not the only people who've had to deal with some difficult situations, but they can also see it's possible to enjoy life despite those kind of things happening to them. Since finishing her book series, Faye is also working on several other books, both fiction and nonfiction. Today, she also serves as a coach to help other people discover their purpose and help them realize where their real passions are and what they want to do going forward. To tell us more about her life experiences and how she's putting those to use helping others, please welcome author and life coach Faye Bryant to the show. Thanks for joining me today, Faye. I really appreciate your time. Tell me a little about you, where you're from, and what you did for a living before you turned 50. What I did, oh my goodness, start, I was born and raised in Florida. I was born in Leesburg and then raised all over the rest of the state. But at age 25, I moved to Tennessee and fell in love with the place and have been here ever since. And if you do calculations, that means I've been here longer than I was in Florida. (laughs) (laughs) But the thing that I did before, I have vast experience in retail. I worked for the post office for a time. I worked in bulk mailroom for a small college. I worked as a bookkeeper for a time. I've worked in numerous restaurants as server or hostess. Yeah. Um, And I've worked for a publishing agency. Okay. That is a variety of jobs to have had over the course of your lifetime. Which one did you like the most? I'm one of those weird people that I can't say that I really like one a whole lot more than the other. I have enjoyed working for a publishing agency. I get to do the marketing for them, the writing the copy for them, and I'm still doing that at times. And so that's enjoyable to me. I also like the bookkeeping stuff, except for the person that I worked for wasn't the most wonderful one to work for. Oh, that's too bad. Okay. Are you married? I am. Okay. Do you have any one year in March? 31 years. That's incredible. That's wonderful. Congratulations. Do you have any children or grandchildren? Yes, and yes. <laughs> I have a son, and then I have two stepsons. We have three grandchildren, one who is now in college, one who's in middle school, and one who is still in elementary school. 
Oh my goodness. So you'll be enjoying this for quite a while yet. <laughs> yes. Yeah, super. Do you have any hobbies that occupy your time? I love photography. I enjoy landscape and architecture. I'm, I can take pictures of people, but I'm not great at it. And so my perfectionism steps in and says, don't do that. <laughs> okay. How long have you been doing that? Oh, probably since I was 12. Wow. So you stuck with it for a number of years. Yes. I started with one of those little Kodak Instamatic cameras. Oh yes. I remember those very well. Yeah. Do you like to travel? I love it. And where have you? I love it. What are some places, uh, your favorite places you've visited? Probably number one would be the Alaskan cruise that we got to take. And that was just such a small taste of the state. And we would love to go and explore more. So there's that. But then closer to us, we also love Edisto Beach in South Carolina. I don't think I've... calm, quiet. I've never heard of that. And it's in South Carolina? It is. It is on an island. It is about an hour south of Charleston. Okay. Very good. And you go there every year? Not every year, but every chance we get. Okay. <laughs> Very good. So before you turned 50, what was one thing that you were super proud of accomplishing? A son and a good marriage. Oh, that's good. Super. But after 50, what did you do that really invigorated you and gave you a sense of purpose? I finally gave in to write, to become an author, a published author. And then 55, I have written, and now let me take that back. Just before I turned 50, I wrote one book. But since then, I have written five more and published them. Wow. Is it in a specific field or is it a variety of topics? Three are novels. They are based on my grandmother's life, my mother's life, and my life. And it's just a, not just a telling of life, but of the interwoven faith in the three lives. And the others are more of a faith-based nonfiction. One is a devotional. One is long-winded devotional. <laughs> Because they tell you this devotion should only be about 600 words and chapters and that not. <laughs> <laughs> okay. What prompted you to start writing so much? It first started, I thought I was supposed to write that book, The Grandma, Mom, and Me, which is what the three books ended up being. But nothing was gelling. I just could not put the stories together. It came out very Joe Friday-like, just the fact that it happened to no nothing else. And so at dinner one night, my husband and I were sitting at a restaurant and he looked at me and told me that he felt like God was saying I was supposed to write a book. And I said, okay, that's nice. What's it supposed to be about? <laughs> and he said, I don't know. So I said, go back and find out. <laughs> and what I realized was that it was supposed to be about the conversations I was having with God while I was in the shower. Okay. <laughs> and that sounds so weird, but 
what it was, if I would take time in scripture and just reading and learning and studying. And then in the shower, it's very rote. You don't have to think about what you're doing. You just do it. And as I was doing that, I was conversing with God about the things I had just read and learned. When I would get done with the shower, I'd be like, Lord, somebody should write a book about that. <laughs> okay. And that was. <laughs> and that's how ramblings from the shower was, was formed. It is. Okay. Super. And so in it is just some insights that you've had over the years by studying your devotionals and things like that. Yes. Okay. Super. Are there any areas of your devotions that have really been impactful for you? Yes. Doing that book was, I think, the beginning of the transformation for me from the hurt child to the whole woman. Okay. And because I was able to tell some of the stories of my life in a way that could help others see biblical truth, it caused me to see the biblical truth. In what way? Like when I was looking at the my previous marriage had a lot of emotional abuse in it as well as some physical. And just admitting that it happened was huge. You can't deal with something that you don't admit is there. And so that began the journey of recognizing that it was there, of trying to figure out what to do with knowing it and how to get past it because it, it stayed a brick on my shoulder forever until I actually was able to deal with it. Okay. So the ramblings from the shower include a lot of passages that might help people, other people through those kind of difficult times? It does. Okay. Super. And integrity, faith, and other simply yet simp simple yet slippery issues. I love the side subtitle. <laughs> <laughs> and so the other books that you wrote, Grandma, Mom, and Me, each one of the books well, is very, it, it, they're all tied together, right? Correct. Okay. And what are they about? The first book in the series is Louise. It is written about my maternal grandmother and her life. Just brief highlight, she at age eight became the woman of the house, meaning that it was her job at age eight to do all the cooking and cleaning, to bring in the water from the creek and so forth. And wow. that was hard. Yeah. And so her adulthood started at age eight. At 16, she escaped that by marrying. Fortunately, she married a really great man and had a bunch of kids. But then one of those children died as a teenager. And shortly after that, her husband died. So there was, again, trauma and stress that came into it. And so that's her story. And then her oldest daughter was Elena, the subject of the second book. And she became, I don't know how to explain it. Her father died when she was 12. And she basically had to take on the role of the father of the house in that she had to basically stop going to school. And she was the only one at the, in the house who could drive. And she had to take on roles that she really didn't want to, didn't enjoy. 
and never really grew into. And she escaped by marriage at age 14. Okay. But she married a man. She married a man who was abusive. And you learn some of the things about that. Later in life, she was able to get away from him and she remarried. And that was a much better life from there. And then there's Beth. That's the third book. It just released in September. And that was based on me. And what you can find out in there is that there was stuff from the hurt people in my past that hurt me because that's what hurt people do. It's hurt people. Yep. And how I, it, it does seem, here's the facts. Here's what happened. Here's where it happened. But in the end, you get to see how all of that shaped the person at this point. Okay. All, yeah, that's true of everybody. All of the hurts and all of the successes that we've had in our life does something to shape us in one way or another. I'm fond of telling people that if you read that book or if you hear me talk about my life at all, you will think that I've had a horrible life, but that's not true. I had a fabulous life. Some horrible things happened to me. Okay. Very good. So you, does the book touch on both the good and the bad? Oh, yes. Very much. Okay. And now, when you talk about these being novels, are they fictionalized? I mean, they, they touch on real incidences that happened in the lives of these people, but it goes into a deeper story as well? Or is it true to life from cover to cover? If you talk to my aunt, who know pretty much all of these stories, you will hear, that's not how that happened. Okay. <laughs> so it is fictionalized. It is okay. a story because there are still some people who are alive who don't need their laundry air. But at the same time, it is all based on fact. Okay. Very good. And when you announced that you were going to do this, how did the people in your family react to that decision? Mother had already passed away. Okay. And my dad was still alive, but he was like, you go, just do what you need to do. Just write it. And so I did. And my aunt, as I said, they have read it and my uncle had read it and they were just, okay, that's not what we remember. And my cousin who, who lived over there at the time would tell them, remember, this is a story. This is faith using <laughs> story to tell grandma's story and, and Berta's story. So it's, you still have to remind them it's just story. Okay. So it, the, there is that fictional aspect to it. So it's not like reading yes. somebody's biography. It's, but it's a story about their lives and how it was shaped by the it, people they encountered and the experiences they endured. Yes. Okay. Very well, much. What prompted you to write those? As I was doing through genealogy on the family, I was hearing the stories of my grandmother's life and I had heard stories of my mother's life and I knew my life and it was like I could see the thread interwoven between the three similar trauma similar betrayal similar aspect of all these things that happened and yet there was this thread of faith that just didn't waver and I wanted to be able to tell this story that Stuff happened, but it's not the end. Okay. Very good. And so it just, it, 
can do the books relate from one character to another so they're laying the foundation for the other ones as you're reading the first book it's also you're already getting to know the characters in the second and third book yes i wanted to do that because i and i did it in a way where they can be read as standalone you don't have to read the previous one okay but it makes the journey better okay very good and when you're doing genealogy, I would imagine that you would come up with all sorts of stories about people in your lineage, and that's a unique way of you presenting that to the world or preserving those memories and those people. Yes, my one of my aunts, one of my mother's sisters, was is very much into preserving the family history. She has always been the one to keep up with all the records of who was born and who died and going back and back. Even when I was a teenager, she was going to cemeteries and getting rubbings and learning about ancestors. And so I think even though we're not like mother daughter, I think I got that gene. Interesting too, because when you typically think of genealogy, you're talking about born on this date, died on this day or born, married, died. And what you're doing is you're talking about the dash, what happened between birth and death. And I think that's the story that really needs to be passed down from generation to generation, even if it's a little fictionalized, because that's what shaped those people. And that's what made them tick. And so I applaud you for that. Thank you. Sure. Did it require any uh, special training for you to start writing, or is this something you just picked up on your own? I was first told I should probably write when I left employment at Walt Disney World. When you leave the employment there, you they ask you to write an exit interview, an exit ex essay. At least they did back in 78. And I wrote what I thought. I wrote what was good, what was bad. I wrote the whole thing. And the person who took that from me said, my goodness, have you ever considered writing books? And so... After a while, I took that for an idea. Okay, very good. So you were like a teenager, early 20s, and people were already encouraging you to start writing. Yes. Okay. And have you done that throughout your entire life, or did you really pick it up after you turned 50? I wrote the first one when I was 49. And then after that, I, after I didn't write anymore until I was 55. Okay. No, let me correct that until I was 57. <laughs> oh, very good. And the first book you wrote was The Ramblings? Yes. Okay, super. And so when did the first Grandma, Mom, and Me book come out? That was in 2018. Okay. So you have written... And if... Three, oh, I'm sorry. You've written three additional books since then? My goodness. <laughs> I just can't turn it off. <laughs> <laughs> well, the saga can. Don't know. It may take a different turn and include the my father's story. Okay. Not sure how I'll do that, but I am working on two books at this time. One is a biography, the working title of which is "The Miracle That Walks," and also working on just a little mini book about my gastric surgery. Uh, journey. Very good. When you're compiling these stories, how are you getting the information? For the 
for the book about my friend. Yes. I started with the stories that I had heard all my life about her and I knew her a little bit. So I was able to describe the settings and I was able to describe the people and I was able to pull those stories together. And then I was able to embellish them based on what I had learned from the genealogy. For example, there was her mother died about a year after she was born. And then her father remarried. But that woman never made it from Illinois to Arkansas. And we have no idea what happened to her. We don't know. We don't think she divorced. We think that she probably died somewhere between the two places. And so in the book, I wrote it as they were making their journey back in in early 1900. They would have been making this journey with horses, wagons, and on foot. And so she was walking somewhere there in Missouri beside the wagon and was bitten by a snake. And because they were so far from any town where she could get any help, she died. Okay. That's a neat way of putting all of that. And so these books are collections of similar stories like that, that, that touch on something and you're just filling in like Hollywood, filling in the gaps. A lot of it. Yes. Okay. Very good. And it looks like you've gotten several positive reviews for the books when I'm looking at them on Amazon. How are these helping other people? Have you heard any, or any information or feedback from people about them? I have. Mostly it's people who see themselves in the characters and realize the things of life that seem so heavy and so dark, they realize that they don't necessarily have to be. And it gives them an idea that they can stay strong in faith and be able to walk the entire journey. Okay. Now, I know that people like stories. We're all connected by stories. And so these idea of sharing these stories, was it difficult to write fiction versus nonfiction or was it easier for you? In the beginning, it was much harder because I'm, I tend to be a black and white thing. This is a fact and this is not, this is what we deal with. That's not. And to come up with the story and to weave it as a story took some work there to get started. Okay. Okay. Did you ever get a chance to talk to your grandmother to hear the stories firsthand from her? I heard a few, but I was very young. I was only nine when she died. Okay. Okay. Very good. So that kind of enables you to have a little better carte blanche in in embellishing on her life. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Okay. Super. If you had to do it all over again, would there, is there anything you would do differently? Not sure that there would be. No, I don't think so. Okay. I think part of the timing that I waited to do these was after my mother and my father had passed away. And I think that allowed me to focus on my relationship with them in the, uh, until the end, until the point where I would not 
hurt them at all by any of the story that I would tell. Okay. Because it's part of what I lived, as I said, was because they were broken people. And so sharing some of that, I don't think that they would have liked it. And I don't think that they would have felt like it was the right thing to do. But I'm already hearing how people, like I said, have related to the story and are able to see that, number one, they're not the only person who has dealt with this and that they can see that there is life, not just living, but there is really life after those kind of things happen. That's great. So you're providing people with some sort of encouragement despite any of the struggles that they might identify in each of the three books. There's always a light at the end of the tunnel. There's always hope in the story. Is that what you're trying to put? That is it exactly. Okay, super. And so do you ever see yourself officially retiring? I have thought about that and I don't see it happening. I see possibly being in a hotel room in Europe, spending a couple hours riding or on a cruise ship going through the Panama Canal and having to leave my laptop to go look at the scenery. Okay. But I don't really see myself completely retired. Okay. So writing is going to be a part of your life until you can't write anymore. I think so. Okay. And what other books are you contemplating? I think you'd mentioned some a little while ago. Yes, one is a biography, and that is a commissioned book. It's the story of a man who, as a child, should have died. By all rights, the doctors had called family in, but he didn't. And he grew up, and he has experienced numerous times when he should have died. And that's why I say the working title at this point is The Miracle That Walked. And it's, it's very interesting learning his life, and I've spent some time researching the town that he grew up in and just different areas in, in his life and figuring these things out, being able to write that is going to be really a, a blessing to me. And I'm hoping that I can tell it well enough that it blesses other people. Okay. And then in 2019, I had gastric sleeve surgery because my health was deteriorating and I was obese and I needed something to get help. And so... I started that journey and I continue it, but what I've figured out because I've shared on social media about it very openly, many people do not, and what I have shared has helped people understand that it's not a taboo, that it's not something that's wrong, and it's certainly not something that's easy, but yet it is something that can help, and so I will be writing a mini book about that. And this will be a factual book, right? Based on your experience? Yes. When you were writing your books, did you find that fiction would enable you to get a point across in through storytelling that you might not get if it were an actual biography? I don't think so. I tend to be pretty blunt, people tell me. Okay. And I just, I try to not be ugly when I share information or when I say this is what needs to be said, but I don't usually shy away from it. Okay. 
I ask the question because sometimes people relate better to fictional characters. They can get into that story. They like to hear that story more than the lecture of a fact-based nonfiction book. And Oh, yeah, definitely. I could have written two biographies and an autobiography and probably not have gotten through to people the way that I did and the way that the book, I think the books will continue to help because they are told in story rather than just biography. Okay, very good. So if somebody else were to consider doing this, developing their life story, it would be easier or it'd be better for them to be sharing it as a story, do you think? Or should it be more of a fact-based kind of book? I think that would depend entirely on the family dynamic. Very I think point. that telling it in a story fashion allows you to change names. And it can, I even change names of places because there are people who are still living in some of these places and they don't need their lives upended or anything because of what I've shared. And I wanted to change the name to protect the innocent. And the guilty. <laughs> But right there you go. And that's a very good point, Faye, because in today's cancel culture society, if somebody were discovered to have done something wrong 30, 40 years ago, they need to be punished for it today, it seems. And right. And so this way you're protecting everybody while still getting the point around along that these painful things happened and people can grow beyond it. Yeah. Okay. So let me ask you one final question. What advice would you give to people over the age of 50 to help them either identify or pursue their passions? Take the time to learn what your purpose is. And that's not a, that sounds big and ominous, but it's not really. God has placed something in your heart that is what you dreamed of when you were a kid, what you would do, how you would look even and go back and look at that and figure out what that looks like for you now and then get to work get on it so how would people go about identifying their or learning their passion that's one of the coaching avenues i use but rather than plug myself for that it's really as simple as looking back at your childhood when you would pretend to be something or to do something what was it what was that thing that you would pretend to be that just gave you such joy that you would keep going back to that? When anybody would ask you, what are you going to be when you grow up? What was your first answer? And think about that. And is that still a big part of your heart? And if it is, let's start looking at the avenues to get you there. For me, part of one of the things that I had wanted to do when I was a teenager was to be a psychologist. And I chose to go a different way, but now I'm allowed to be, to speak into people's lives as a coach, which while not being exactly a psychologist, it is a way that I can help people through what they think and feel. Okay. Let's talk about coaching for a minute. I wasn't aware that you were actually doing that. What does that involve and how do you get those clients? I have three avenues that I coach in that are actually intertwined. I offer recovery coaching, purpose coaching, and an unhackability coaching. In that, in recovery coaching, I help people 
look back at the things in their life, much like what I've done in my writing, and to see what happened and who was the cause of it and what can you do to get that healed. And in recovery, we talk about you need to feel, deal, and heal. And that's what I help people work through. In the purpose coaching, I help people discover or recover what their purpose is so that they understand that thing that really will make them tick, the thing that becomes more of a breath of life than a thing to do. And in unhackability coaching is we all experience distractions. The amount of information coming at us in any given day is more than what people a thousand years ago experienced in a lifetime. And I help people learn how to adjust their lives and their mindsets to be able to set the distractions aside and move forward with what they want to do with a clear focus and a clear understanding how to get there. That's great. So are you counseling people on the phone, in person, or online? Mostly online. Okay. I uh, Anybody who's local, I would be happy to meet with, but it's primarily online. And if people wanted more information about that kind of service, where could they find it? They can visit my website. That's faybryant.com. F-A-Y-E-B-R-Y-A-N-T.com. Okay. And... One more question I just thought of. Why did you wait so long to write? This has been such a good purpose for you. Is it? Did you always think that you were going to be doing this and you put it off for many years and then after you turned 50, you just decided to pick it up? No, I was doing a lot of living, a oh, lot yeah. of experiencing <laughs> in that time. As I said, there was a first marriage and there was stuff that happened and things that were not conducive to me Okay, trying to live what I was supposed to. Did you imagine yourself as a writer when you were younger? Not really. Not really. Okay. Very cool. Very cool. Well, thank you so much, Faye. I really appreciate the time and I hope this is inspiring to other people. I hope so too. I appreciate Faye Bryan for sharing her story with us today because it lets people know it's never too late to start something they've wanted to do for many years. She noted there's a place in your heart that is calling you to do something very specific. Many times it nudges people in certain directions as children or teenagers, yet there's still time to pursue that by contemplating what that dream from many years ago would look like in your life if you embraced it today. When Faye was a teenager, she wanted to be a psychologist, but that was rather vague and ominous, so she went in a different direction. But she now realizes the underlying reason for wanting to become a psychologist was to help people discover themselves based on how they think and feel. Today, she derives a great deal of pleasure helping people to have breakthrough moments in their lives. As a coach, Faye offers three types of services, their recovery coaching, purpose coaching, and focus coaching. Recovery coaching is where Faye helps people understand their need to feel, deal, and heal with things that happened to them by looking back on key events in their lives to see what happened and what caused it. Purpose coaching helps people discover what makes them tick and breathes life into their spirit. Focus coaching guides people to navigate around considerable distractions in their lives in order to move forward with what they want to do, but with a clearer focus and better understanding of how to get there. 
when they discover their God-given purpose and how to live in it, they can look at their past with renewed vision to employ new confidence and greater ability to redeem it by creating a divine mission for their lives today. To connect with Faye and learn more about her coaching services, visit www.faybryant.com. Her books are available on Amazon.com. That's all I have for this week's show. If you'd like help in identifying a purpose for your life or get help planning your next steps, I'm offering a complimentary brainstorming session to members of the Forward from 50 Facebook community. For details, connect with me on Facebook or visit www.forwardfrom50.com. Next week, I'll be speaking with a man who knows firsthand that it's possible to find love again after turning 50. After several failed relationships earlier in his life, he'd given up on finding someone who shared his passions and enthusiasm for life, and he found his new wife on a hiking trail of all places. I'll have that interview on the next episode of the Passionate Purpose Podcast. Thanks for listening. If you like this show, please consider leaving a review wherever you download the episodes.